I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you are a sensitive soul, we are here to help you, uh, inspire you, empower you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, healthy relationships, prosperity, or peace of mind. So thank you so much for joining me. And if you're new to the tribe and you don't already have my free gift, which is a clearing and protection spray formula, I'd love to have you take advantage of this. This spray helps to clear the energy from your auric field, from your body, so you feel calmer, more centered, more grounded, more confident. You can get it free at Clearing spray.com sorry that's clearing and protection spray.com <laughs> a new url folks <laughs> so still need to memorize that so clearing and protection spray.com now today i have a very special guest taylor conroy and he is the ceo of the idea collective and you might be wondering hmm who is this person is this person a healer you know because so many of the people that we have on the show are, are healers but this is very special to me because I, I call it part of my spiritual entrepreneur series because as people following the show know, I'm very passionate about helping sensitive souls really harness those sensitivity gifts as a superpower so they can lead amazing lives and they can make changes to the world and having a great life themselves. You know, And that's the thing. A lot of the sensitive souls that I come across are suffering from their sensitivity and they never really, quote-unquote, make it in the real world um, so that they are helping lots of other people. And Taylor, someone who I've met along the path, who is doing just that. And this is very exciting for me because Taylor is what I would call a sensitive, empathetic male. And, you know, a lot of our children growing up, male children, do not get the support that I prefer they have growing up so they can really – use that sensitivity in a good way and now Taylor is helping so many people get their magic out there through the TEDx stage and is a wonderful coach and has this amazing business and so you know he's a sensitive person who has taken advantage of his sensitivity as a gift and now is helping a lot of people so super inspired uh, meeting Taylor and I wanted to share his story and his uh, life with everyone here so you can be inspired and say, hey, wow, if he could do it, I could do it too. So let me tell you a little bit about Taylor before I officially welcome him to the show. You know, um, he was a firefighter in his early 20s, and uh, from there he feels like it's a natural expansion to dive into, you know, the impact space even further. And he did his first TEDx talk in 2011, and he uh, started a fundraising company that funded 500 schools and libraries in 14 developing countries, and then an impact travel company that built 150 homes for families in Latin America. And most of us, you know, by the time of age 37, we were still struggling with, like, trying to pay our first apartment and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's amazing what he's been able to do uh, in a period of time where, like I said, a lot of people haven't even figured out their lives yet. So he's impacting millions of people. And, uh, and what's really cool is for him it's almost like, you know, play because he's helping other people get their message out. He's so passionate about it. He's traveling around the world and having a good time and harnessing not just his superpowers but knowing his sensitivity and how to change his lifestyle so that it works for him. 
okay? So he's not somebody who's just trying to get rid of his sensitivity so he's normal and feels like everybody else. No, what's inspiring about Taylor is that he is able to respect and honor his sensitivity, not try to get rid of it. So without further ado, welcome, Taylor, to the show. Dr. Karen, there's no place I'd rather be. (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for spending your time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. So I, I would love to know, when did you realize that maybe you were more, quote, unquote, sensitive than others, other boys, other children? Like how old were you uh, when you had that realization? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've had that realization a thousand times, been reminded a thousand times. And I'd say one, one moment that really stood out, stands out still, is I was, oof, I was probably 11 years old. And I was with my dad, and he had told me all these stories about how he had grown up, like, shooting squirrels and shooting gophers and stuff like that and selling squirrel tails, which still sounds super weird to me. But back then, I was like, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be tough, and I wanted to be like my dad, right? So we went out and right. he bought me this uh, a twenty two caliber rifle. Uh, I grew up in Western Canada, right? So there's lots of room for shooting stuff. And, uh, and we went out, we were going to go hunting, and he points out this squirrel. He's like, there's one. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess now's when I shoot this thing uh, for no apparent reason. Anyways, there's this squirrel. Hunting just blows my mind. <laughs> the whole subject. We don't need to like digress too much, but just say I'm standing there and there's a squirrel like 30 feet away, maybe 10 feet up in a tree. And it's just, just sitting there minding its own business. And I, you know, aim this rifle and, I think I'd shot some targets before, so I knew what I was doing. And I shoot this squirrel, and it shoots it, like, right in the shoulder. And it falls out of the tree, so it's not dead. It's now, like, squirming around on the ground. And I'm fucking losing it. This is bananas. I'm like, why on earth are we doing this? And, by the way, why on earth am I doing this? Why am I shooting this thing that did nothing? And it's part of nature. It's part of the whole grand scheme of things. I felt that at an early age. And it just, to be honest, like robbed me of a lot of uh, my connection. Like I couldn't believe it. And I didn't want to look like a baby in front of my dad. So I just like kind of was like, okay, now we go up and shoot it so it's dead. And it totally traumatized me. And um, that, like, that, that, that carried through to everything. I didn't even like, I couldn't even fish. I couldn't even like kill a fish. You know what I mean? Like I was so sensitive that I would, I would even feel bad for breaking branches in nature. Like mm. I grew up highly sensitive. If I saw some sort of like a violent scene in a movie, I would cry. Um, yep. My parents still make fun of me for, for crying in this movie, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He gets sent oh, off on this. Yeah. Do you remember that time they send him off on the freaking iceberg? They're like, yeah. it's time for you to not be part of the tribe anymore, Rudolph. Beat it. Oh. Here's an iceberg. Never come back. I'm like, wait, why are they sending him away? I and know. I just bawled. And I could, like, I just thinking of that moment for me, I was just, for years, I would just cry. And anyways, so I've noticed it a whole bunch of times. And I would say the beginning was like, yeah, way back then, like 11 years old when I had to shoot a freaking squirrel for no, no reason. Wow. I, I personally think boys have it a lot tougher than girls. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably all relative. Maybe early on it's, it could be a little bit tougher. But, yeah, it's, in, from the sensitive part, like growing up and going to middle school and, and the being, feeling, feeling bullied and rejected like all the time. 
but which is just kind of a normal thing for us guys, like make fun of each other and exclude and include and do whatever we're doing, which women obviously do as well. But yeah, it was a lot of, I, was, I had a very emotional childhood that no one saw because I stuffed it all down inside because I didn't feel like it was anywhere near accepted. It felt very, very different. Right, exactly. Now, do you feel now as an adult that, uh, did it, you know, are, do you have siblings? Do, like, is either of your parents, do you feel, are sensitive in the closet or were in the closet? In the closet? Um, I would say I would definitely be the most sensitive out of our foursome, like my, my parents and my sister and I. Um, and as a, as an adult, like what you were saying and getting to earlier is like harnessing this sensitivity, this sensitivity in my mind is, it's a, this, this amazing form of energy, right? Like it, and mm-hmm. it, to be an entrepreneur, to be a passionate advocate, to be an advocate, activist, to be whatever you have to have an incredible amount of energy. And so the sensitivity that we have in my mind, is a form of that energy. And when it's harnessed and directed in the right way, it actually makes us, in my mind, it's, it's like a, a full-on superpower, right? So it's like, you know, Superman, he's got all these amazing um, powers and skills and all that kind of stuff, which makes him amazing. And he's got kryptonite, right, which doesn't affect other people. Like humans aren't really affected by kryptonite, but it brings him to his knees, right? And that's kind of us. We have, we have our kryptonite, in my mind, is like loud noises, um, big crowds, and basically anything else. I'm so sensitive. It's so annoying. Uh, at times, bright lights. Walking to a drugstore, I'm like, why do they have these lights? I don't understand. Yes. Or Best you know? Buy. I bet you love Best Buy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Any of those places, I just cringe even thinking about it. And that being said, we have this, like, deep, deep, deep store of energy that we can harness and if we harness it right, like the, us like crying or getting mad or getting sad or all of those things, those are all like an expulsion of energy, right? And if we can harness those in the right way, like you said, like create an environment in which we thrive, like somewhere safe, we have our cave to go back to. And if we harness all of that and direct it towards our career, whether it be making a radio show or helping people in all the different ways that you help people, or it be like raising money, fundraising, we have an ability to tap into an emotional tool set that most people don't have. And we can therefore show up at, in my mind, like a 12 out of 10. And because we can show up at a 12 out of 10, then we can actually bring people to show up at a 10 out of 10. Does that make sense? Very cool. Yeah. I've never heard of it said that way, but I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've probably heard of it the way that most sensitive people talk about it, which is crying about it, whining about it, complaining about it. And it's like, holy shit, you were given this one life and you were given the ability to be sensitive as a crazy fucking gift. Excuse me, let me know if I can't drop F-bombs on this radio show. But it is a crazy <laughs> gift. We, we cry about it. Oh, my God, I don't like going to Best Buy. I don't like going to Best Buy. And you and I are in closer touch with what's happening in nature at every single moment than the exactly. vast majority of the planet. I look at the ocean and it makes nothing makes nothing. It, it takes nothing to make me happy. All I need to do is just look at the ocean. All I need to do is look at a freaking leaf and be like, oh, my God, this is where we are. We're on this earth that is living, breathing. It, is, it has blood inside of it and mainly oil and water. It, we are living on this, like, incredible living being. And we, because we're sensitive, when we're not in a fluorescent-filled room, we get to feel that at a much deeper level than other people. And don't you look at if, – if I'm feeling sad, it's for the people that don't feel that. It's for the people that don't feel connected to the squirrel and they shoot the squirrel and they don't care about shooting the squirrel. It's the people that can hurt other people because they don't realize that we're like the same organism, even though our physical eyes can't see it. I feel, if I'm sad, it's because I feel bad for people that are that disconnected, that they walk through this life kind of eyes half shut, 
and thinking that we're separate. And then that leads in my mind to the separate is like the root of all suffering. And we as sensitive beings inherently don't have that separateness. So it takes us far less time in our life to come back to the oneness that we innately feel where other people, it could take lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. Mm. Ah, so well said. I, I'm having difficulty composing myself for the rest of this interview because I'm so inspired and teary-eyed for what you just said. Thank you. Yeah, you have, like, Dr. Karen, and if other people are feeling the way that you're feeling, because obviously they are because they're following you because they resonate with you, everyone out there that is sensitive as fuck, like I am, who, like, today was wigging out before this interview because they're doing some construction outside and my whole (laughs) gut's churning because it's a little bit noisier than I want it to be, and I'm the one who's always, like, adjusting the lighting, adjusting the sound of the music, walk into a place and the music's, like, not perfect. I'm like, can we change that because it's throwing off my whole (laughs) rhythm? The nice thing is you're on this earth for a solid amount of time. You're on this earth for like 80 years. So if you're listening to this and you're 20 and you're like a full-on empath or you're 40 or you're 50, chances are you still got a long time here. And creating an environment that is like safe and nurturing and soft that lets you create from this like beautiful, soft, warm place is not that hard. It's like go to the crystal shore, buy a bunch of crystals, Get, get a bunch of sage. Just know, like, I think one of the, just the people listening to your show, Dr. Karen, is like, you give people permission to be empathetic. You give them permission. And what comes along with the permission to be sensitive, in my mind, is the permission to tap into your natural psychic abilities, your natural mm-hmm. abilities to touch someone and feel what they're feeling. And because you can feel what they're feeling, the reason you have that empathetic ability is because you are able to heal what they're feeling at the same time. You wouldn't be given the gift of feeling what someone's feeling without being give the, given the gift to help them heal what they're feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, I, uh, Taylor, I'm, I'm creating my very first uh, what I call Light Warrior training camp this fall at the Omega Institute. And I'm super excited because wow. it's really about helping people go from that place where they're kind of feeling like, oh, this sensitivity is a curse, I don't know what to do with it, to really giving them an organized way and practice you know, on how to do that, including what you just mentioned before. We, we call that like feeling into or um, intuitive impressioning. It's so useful. I know you've used it a ton in business, um, but it's, it's not well described. You know, like how do we yep. practically switch <laughs> gears from just suffering from our sensitivity rather than healing others or ourselves or, you know, tapping into, like there's so many conflict stories that I could tell you about. Just I call it transformational telepathy where we've switched it like within 24 hours, you know, because of exactly. the ability that we have to know exactly how that other person is feeling and then go beyond that. Like what's the belief? You know, what are, it, yeah. Exactly. And can I go on a little tangent here for a second about Absolutely. Kind of accepting? Okay. So here you're like, I don't care. It's about go talk. Um, here, here's the thing is that I want to give an example of when I went through a really hard time financially. Okay. Cause like the bio that yes, you read please. for me was yeah. wonderful. And it's like, yeah, he's, he, you know, he's helped build 500 schools all over the world and built 150 homes and he's really successful in business and blah, 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 which is wonderful. And they're all true. And in addition to that, I've gone through the depths of like financial despair. I've had to, I've had to uh, file bankruptcy personally because I put all my funds because I was so 
invested in this company that was building schools all over the world. I put every single bit of money that I had into it. I took out loans of hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into the company, to float the company. And at some point I went completely bankrupt. The only thing that saved me from going completely nuts in that bankruptcy was this, this, this moment where I sat there and I was like, you know what? Here I am. This is where I am. At this moment, I am bankrupt at the, the age of 35. I don't have two nickels to rub together. I'm wearing a pair of pants that my friend gave me, a belt that actually I didn't even think I had a belt, a $6 like Hanes t-shirt from Walmart <laughs> or something like that. And, and here I am, period. Not it's bad, not it's good, not it's anything. This is exactly where I am. And for sensitive people, the, the equivalent to that is going, here I am. I'm on this earth. I'm super sensitive. I pick up on people's energies. Other people's energies affect me. When I go throughout the day, loud noises bother me. Bright, night, bright lights bother me. These things, that's who you are, period. As long as we fight that, we're actually giving power to the thing that takes our power away, right? And, in the, mm. and back to the bankruptcy example, because of that moment of like, this is where I am, and I'm going to enjoy this moment because this is where I am, then everything changed. This whole, you know, we were talking about the hero's journey for a second before, this, this journey, the three parts in the, in, the, in the, let's say, like the masculine psyche development, they say that the first part, like childhood, is unconscious, um, like unconscious unity, right? Like we're, we're unconscious that we're, actually, fuck it, I'm going to leave the male, male, male psyche stuff out. It's kind of too, much, too tangential. I'll stick on the bankruptcy thing, which is realizing here I am, I'm bankrupt, and now I, I can actually make the choices of moving out of that, position into something else. So I decided that's where I am. So what would someone do when they're completely bankrupt? Well, I need to completely rewire my brain and start retraining my brain on how it thinks about money. Right. And this does relate to the sensitivity in a second here. It's like, so I started listening to books and podcasts and, you know, audio books and reading books over and over and over again to retrain my brain on how to think much more healthy about money. And after that, then I was like, wow, now I'm here. I can afford my own rent. And that's a huge win. And then I was at the point where I could afford like fancy groceries and I could afford the alkaline water and then I could afford a nicer place. And it was like each step fully embracing here's where exactly where I am on my journey gave me like this ridiculous amount of freedom and acceptance. And that's what we need to do as sensitive people is like, here I am, I'm super sensitive and, and what am I going to do with it? Right. Am I going to use it? Am I going to complain about it? Am I going to be affected by other people's energies for the rest of my life? Or am I going to study it? Am I going to go to like the, my inner Hogwarts and figure out yes. what these things are for? Like, you, you know what I mean? I think that's what you teach people is like these things, these innate abilities that we have or that we think of innate disabilities, they are innate abilities, <laughs> right? They're leading, us, they're leading us to what we're actually supposed to do in the world, which is heal it. Like if you're super empathetic, you're here, you're here to heal the world. And obviously first thing first thing first, you have to heal yourself. And then you get to heal everybody else. Right. Well, I'm so happy that you shared that story because I think that, you know, when people see you now, like where you're at, like they, and, and myself as well, they have uh, naturally, because I, I used to do it too, all these assumptions about, yeah. well, it must be nice, blah, 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 you know. Um, I used to get, well, it must be nice, you're a doctor, right? But they didn't know yeah. how much in debt, you know, like how sick I was, like what was going on and how I, medical school for me was really hard uh, as a sense of, so first of all, because all these weird hours, like some of my colleagues are now like, you know, 10, 20 years 
older than I, but was physically are physically so much more resilient to that kind of you know schedule. But just all the personalities yeah. involved, the depressed surgeon throwing things, the you know, the, the all the sickness and the pain and people dying, and the fourteen year old dying of cancer, you know, just like all that stuff uh, that they, we don't really address, you know, for sensitive people how to how to you know do that. So I think that I'm so glad you you talked about this because there are people in my tribe and maybe not my clients or students, but, you know, people in the bigger tribe that are like, hey, I don't have a place to live. Uh, I don't have, you know, uh, I don't have money for groceries. And they're like, what am I going to do? I'm super sensitive and what am I going to do? And so I think yes. this story is really great that, that you know, mm-hmm. you just validated what I was, you know, teaching, training, and, and supporting them with. Exactly. You changed your inner world to change your outer world. Exactly. That's where, I mean, that's where it all starts. And the, the complaining thing, just one more kind of note on that. I, I got back from my first trip to the African continent. I'd visited Kenya and Uganda, and I was looking for this cause to really sink my teeth into to find something that I could really get behind. At the time, I was in real estate. I was making really good money, and I wanted to donate my money to, to something that I really believed in. And I got home from this trip, and I was so, so shaken by that trip. I had this, like, massive reverse culture shock. I remember walking to this grocery store one time, and everyone's kind of walking around getting their groceries. And I had just gotten off of, you know, like an eight- or ten-hour flight, and uh, – from this place where people didn't have clean drinking water, they didn't have enough food to eat, they had zero access to, to medical supplies and treatments, they, they were completely bound to the life that their parents had lived, their grandparents had lived, their great-grandparents had lived, which was one of total scarcity and, and, and one that could end at any time. You know, like if, if someone, imagine that, imagine like playing soccer as a kid and, and kind of breaking your ankle or something like that and, well, that's it. You're just going to have a hooped ankle for the rest of your life. Here's a mm. stick to walk with, you know, wow. or imagine like getting, getting malaria, which is an absolutely curable disease, getting malaria. And it's like, oh, well, it's over. Like you're going to be dead soon. Like that's just, ha- that's just life there. And, and the, not enough food to eat, not enough clean drinking water. I walk into this grocery store and I just see this, this pyramid built out of uh, clean drinking water in bottles, right? Like this like big display. And I was like, oh my God. God. And I started looking around and there's food from all over the world. You can have like olives from Morocco and you can have cheeses from France and you can have whatever from anywhere in the world. And I just started crying and I just could not believe that we have so much of our our planet. It's like a crazy, crazy disparity. And so it started generating all of this energy. It was sadness. It was guilt. It was shame. It was anger. It was outrage. It was all this energy and so what I started to do is direct that energy at other people and say, like, look, you need to give. You need to give towards building schools and medical clinics and da 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 da, da. And no one got it because they weren't on that trip with me, right? Yeah. But that energy needed to go somewhere, so it started going towards trying to get other people to give money. And I realized that when you're shooting kind of negative, sad, whiny energy at people, they definitely don't take the action that you're, quote, unquote, wanting them to take. They take the action of, like, running away, right? <laughs> and that, the nice thing was that I was like, I had the awareness to know that there was a lot of energy building up in my body and it needed to go somewhere. And I thought, you know what, this energy is going to go somewhere. I need to stop harping at my friends. I started like losing friends over it. This needs to be directed in the positive way. What if I channeled all of this newfound energy, this sadness, anger, and all that stuff into something positive? And that's when the massive shift happened. And that's like a microcosm of 
potentially everyone's, everyone who's sensitive here's life is that there's a shift that needs to happen where we take this energy from being something that we think is hindering us and harness it towards something that's going to be helping us and helping other people. And that was literally the beginning of that fundraising company. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to show pictures of what we would call like poverty porn, you know, pictures of these yeah. kids with distended bellies and, and flies on their face and stuff like that, trying to guilt people and tap into this, this negative emotion to get them to give money. What if we start, what if we start using, of course, like, inspiring imagery. What if I start telling people this is what could happen if you were to build a school? This is what the future would look like, and this is how easy it is. That energy, you know, we've talked about how it came from, you know, the, the fundraising came from doing a TEDx talk and all that stuff. Sure it did, but the energy that fueled all of that came from harnessing all of this sensitive, empathetic energy and putting it towards something positive, and, it, and it, we, funded a, we funded a school. Then we funded another school. Then we funded 20 schools. Then we funded 40 schools. And by we, meaning I passed this message on to other people in a positive way. They were inspired, and therefore they started raising money. Then we built 50 schools, then 100, then 200, then 300. We started building libraries, water projects, and girls' scholarships. We started doing anti-sex trafficking work in Cambodia, all from the pivot of this, this world is so fucked up to, wow, I've got a lot of energy in me. How can I channel it in a positive way that's going to fulfill me and that's going to help the people that are around me? And that shift, and I'm now going to go like kind of off here, but it's like that shift is the shift that we need to make in, in our planet. We're, we are a culture of complainers. We're whining about the president. We're whining about global warming. We're whining about all of this stuff yeah. and therefore giving attention to all of the things that we don't want. Exactly. What do we want? What is the kind of world that we want to live in? What is the kind of president that we want to have? What is the kind of leadership that we demand in this country? And let's focus on that. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. Well said. And I love how, you know, that, that switch from the, all the emotions you were talking about, you know, building up. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of it you could also feel like, mass consciousness, you know, the guilt and, you know, all yeah. that stuff that we carry uh, in our whole society. Uh, and then you're able to yeah. then tap into your superpowers to go, well, this isn't working to help, you know, the cause because people are running away from me. So then you could feel into, well, what would inspire people to help out? Um, right? So you made that exactly. shift. So they could, you can go, well, they, you know, oh, I can't dump all this stuff on them. And, and then, you know, feel like, oh, I really want to join you. No, it's got to be the other way. And that's what happened to me with my family because I kept harping as a medical doctor, of course, had the MD behind my name, which made it worse. So I was telling them everything they should be doing, right, yeah. <laughs> and what they should or yeah. shouldn't eat. And, that, and they were just getting so sick and tired of it. And finally, I was like, well, this isn't working. So, you know, I made a pact and agreement that I was just going to focus on my own stuff. If they asked me for medical advice, great, I would give it. But just completely let go of any attachment of them doing anything that I ever said. And so the amazing thing is the quality of relationship improved so much. And they naturally started gravitating to, you know, what I would consider more healthier choices. But I'm not attached to that. And so now we have this great relationship that if they want my help, you know, whatever, I, I share it with them, but I'm not attached to that. And, uh, you know, they naturally made these positive decisions on their own exactly. without me harping on it. I just, it was, it was just so neat. So, it's, wow. That's, you know what, what you're saying is so much bigger than what you did with your family. You know what I mean? You're, what you're saying is a representation of what we, all of us need to do in our lives, right? And that's what we need to do on a mass scale is rather than, 
blasting, wasting our energy telling people that really don't care, they don't have open, open ears, is like just completely live the life that we, that we, that we want to emulate. You know, like if right. someone asks me, someone says, hey, you know, who do you look up to? What's, what's a hero of yours? I'm like, you know what? The hero of mine is that guy on the New York City subway who's dancing to his music. He's got his eyes closed because he doesn't care what anyone thinks. Or it's, mm-hmm. it's, or it's Paramahansa Yogananda who started, you know, Self-Realization Fellowship and is spreading Kriya Yoga all throughout the states when, when he was looked at as like kind of a, a, a kook when he first got here but because he, he didn't care what people think, thought. You know, he's doing something bigger than him. And that's like, our job is to stop caring. First of all, stop caring what people think and to stop trying to like push any sort of agenda on anyone else and just completely live our lives in as like harmonious and, and happy version as humanly possible. And then other people just naturally follow, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of sensitive souls out there who see that pain, you know, that, and then that's why I was crying earlier because you were talking about the sadness. Um, and it's actually in my manifesto, so I can't wait till that's graphically ready. I'm going to send it to you because there's a line yeah. in there that is about the sadness that I feel is uh, knowing that there's another way. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So when people are sensitive souls, sometimes they see that pain and they want to fix it out there. But they themselves they, aren't feeling good. That's heavy. Heck, yeah. Heck yeah! Say that. So (laughs) what what I'm hearing is exactly we want to heal it out there, and we in reality we're I know my belief is that you know Dr. Karen, you're a reflection of me. I'm a reflection of you. The reason the stuff that you like about me is stuff that you like about yourself. The stuff that you don't like about me is stuff that you don't like about yourself, and vice versa, right? And so that thing, that's why, in my mind, that's why it's such powerful times because all of the things that we're noticing. That pain out there, it's just a signpost. It's pointing back. It's saying, hey, inside you, there's something like this that you need to heal, right? Inside you, there's something that wants healing because your attention is so brought to this pain, whether it be disconnection or scarcity or whatever it is, that's something in you that needs to be healed, Right. That's when we know something. That's when we find the juicy stuff is like, whoa, I'm super, super triggered right now. That means there's something there. Right. Absolutely. Like if, you, if you're if we're triggered by something, if you said, hey, Taylor, you're uh, you know, you've got skinny legs, then chances are I actually <laughs> would be triggered by that because I'm self-conscious of my skinny legs. Oh, right. But if you said, Taylor, you've got you're you're you've got, you know, weak shoulders. I'd be like, no, I don't. Because I don't, you know, because my belief is that I don't. I'm really happy with my shoulders, not happy with my calves, but you know what I mean? I mean, I'm happy with them. I'm touching them right now. I love you guys. Thank you. You get me everywhere. I really appreciate it. Like, baller, like, we're all a team. And, you know, I would only be triggered by the things that I think are true, right? And so Gosh. when we look outside and we, and we that's, the best, that's the best way to find out what in us needs healing is look, out, mm-hmm. look outside mm-hmm. and what, what are we outraged at? What really trigger, triggers us? It's something inside, right? And then we get to do the work, and the work can show up in all different ways. It can show up going to, like, ALA or MITT or Landmark or Hoffman or all of these, like, amazing deep-dive personal development courses. I've only taken part in one of those, but I've heard amazing things about all of them. And, or <laughs> we, can go to, we, can, we can go to plant medicine, 
We can go to like EMDR, we can go to therapy, we can go to tapping, we can go to all of these things. The thing that's kind of crazy to me, Dr. Karen, I don't know if you resonate with this, but is that we'll, we're, <laughs> we go through life and we're like get triggered by something, we realize that something inside us is kind of off, potentially we get that far, hopefully, and then we're like, oh, it's really too bad I've got this real traumatic thing that's really impacting my life. Too bad I've got that for the rest of my life. It's like, wait, wait, what? Wait, have, have you been to a bookstore? Have you seen it? Have you can go to Amazon and see how many books people have written on this topic that can help you get through this topic? Do you know how many freaking coaches there are? Do you know how many people that right. do EFT tapping and whatever it is, cognitive therapy and all of the things? There's so much help out there. It is bananas. You could have an obsession with, um, you know, ripping leaves off plants, and there are 100 books on why you, how to stop ripping leaves off plants and why you do it, <laughs> right? Like, does that make sense? Obviously, I, I yeah, no, no, I, I absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I get, it. and and you know, going back to you know when you were in this bankrupt place, um, and it's interesting because I remember saying to someone uh, who was having trouble, um, you know, with with the uh, you know they're going to lose their home or whatever and I said hey I really highly recommend this book and you'd be like well I can't get to the library and you know like <laughs> you know like uh you know yeah. excuse after excuse and and I've done it too I totally have done it so I totally own that I understood where this person was coming from because I made all of those excuses before. But I think that if um, if you really, really get it, that it's coming from the inside out, um, well, some people just do ha- have to go down to the very, very, very bottom. I don't know if you believe this, but sometimes people have to feel what we consider the bottom of the barrel before they'll make a shift. Like it has yeah, to I be mean, painful enough. Making, let's say, here – that's a good example because in your example of someone who's going through a really bad financial, you know, hardship and that was making excuses that you couldn't get to the library in reality, whether of course their words are saying, I can't get to the library and what they're actually saying, which is way deeper and way more profound. What actually matters is if I go to the library and I pick up a book that is going to potentially help me through the situation in doing that, I am taking, I need to take ownership over this situation. As long as I don't take ownership over the situation, I can pretend that it wasn't my fault and I don't have to take ownership over the situation because if I take ownership over the situation, that means I start having to take ownership over everything in my life, meaning all of those things that I've labeled as bad, which are all just growth mechanisms, but all those things that I've labeled as bad, I then have to start taking ownership over. So someone going to the library and getting a book on how to be you know, better at finances is obviously way, way, way deeper and getting someone to like, that's just like a tiny little uh, like grain of hay or whatever this is, whatever the saying is. But the deeper, it's the deep work. As soon as someone does that, they start to having to open their minds, taking ownership over themselves. Then once they take over the ship over themselves, they have to start taking ownership over their community and over the world and over the universe. Like it's just, it just starts to happen. So taking that one step sounds like, well, it's up the street, pick up the book, you know, get a library card. But in reality, you're saying start taking ownership over your fucking life. And that is a really, really hard thing to get people to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You read that perfectly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now, from your perspective. Or go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say from your perspective as a guy, you know, growing up as a sensitive um, what kind of like practical things did you do to 
deal with fluorescent lights, to deal with crowds, to deal with, you know, because there's a lot of folks that, yeah. uh, first of all, try to pretend that it doesn't exist. But then I find that the kids get drained um, and they get yep. irritable and they get, uh, and there's a biggie, addicted. Totally. So, okay, I'm going to give you, uh, this might be some weird uh potentially answers for your question. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come back and make perfect sense, but it's going to go a little roundabout, which obviously you're probably getting. That's the vibe. Um, here's the thing is like when we go into an airport and it's like really bright and there's lots of crowds or we go into CVS or whatever it is and it's really bright and it's annoying and we don't take the action to protect ourselves, like just wearing sunglasses or wearing earplugs or having, you know, meditation music on or, or, or meditating in the airport or doing yoga in the airport while everyone's around. What's interesting is that what I find is that a lot of times people don't do that because they're scared of what people think, right? Because mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if they really acknowledge in themselves, like, it's too bright for me in here, it's too noisy, and then therefore took action to remedy it, a lot of times people don't take action. I know myself in the past haven't taken action because I'm worried about what other people will think. Even though I know my body needs to stretch and needs to do yoga, I'll just sit in that chair in the airport and just like get more blood clots in my knees and, (laughs) and wait, you know, and wait till I'm by myself so I can by myself do my practices. If you're a sensitive person, those practices that are going to bring you back to feeling normal and comfortable, you can actually do those anywhere you want, anywhere in the world, you can do it right now. And typically the thing that holds us back from that is caring what people think. So that's where I like to start is like, how do I erode this care this 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 big mountain of worry about what other people think how do how can i take tangible steps to care less what people think and therefore embrace my own boundaries therefore like really cater to myself rather than catering to society which which kind of uh, uh, subconsciously points us in the direction of just doing what everyone else wants to do and so some tangible steps in to giving less bucks than about what people think Here's number one, but the one that's made the biggest difference in my life is thinking, what are the feelings that I get when I care what other people think? Do I feel awkward? Do I feel judged? Do I feel anxious? Do I feel whatever those things are? And then actively putting myself in, one, in those situations and doing something a little bit weird in those situations. Like, when, like in the airport, airports are always like a training ground for me. I, I'll go to an airport. <laughs> I remember one time I was in San Francisco and I was like really nervous to do a talk that I had coming up. I was really nervous about it. I'm like, you know what? I feel anxious. I feel like I'm going to be judged and all that stuff. So I'm going to make myself feel like that right now. And I'm going to show myself that that's not going to kill me. And so I got on one of those like moving sidewalks, you know, like the rubber things you get on the airport yes. with you. Anyways, I got on one of those and I did my whole talk while on that standing sideways. And I didn't know anyone in the airport. I had actually, I had a woman, I went up to this woman and I had her film me doing it. And I did the whole no. talk on the moving sidewalk. And people are so looking she had at me to, like, like run, run with you when she was filming No, you? no, no. She, I got her to sit, like, in a chair that no one could see that she was filming me, right? Oh, so, she, so I'm on this moving sidewalk, and I'm doing my talk, hands animated, up in the air, doing the whole thing, and I'm, every part of my body is screaming to stop. Every cell in my being is like, stop this, stop this, stop this, because it's tapping into that, it's tapping into that deep caveman emotion of, of if I do something weird, I get kicked out of the community. If I get kicked out of the community, saber-toothed tiger is going to eat me, I'm going to die. You know, getting, doing something weird equals death. That's why we feel so awkward doing stuff That's that is right. like against the status quo. And so if we put, I put myself in that situation, like doing it afterwards, 
I feel incredible. I feel euphoric because I didn't die and I did it and I showed <laughs> that I am above caring what everyone else thinks. You know, like taking those actions. Another one is like I'll go on a plane. I, I don't know why it's all this like air travel stuff, but I'll go on a plane and I'll go to the front. Of, oh, it's because I usually get nervous for talks, right? I'll still get nervous for talks, even though I've done 100 of them. And I'll get to go to the front of the plane and I'll force myself to do deep lunges all the way to the back of the plane. <laughs> Like, and I make myself, I make myself look people in the eye. So if you're in, if you're in, row, like, if you're in like seat 13C and you've got that aisle seat, I'm going to be looking deep into your soul as I lunge deeper than you've ever seen as I'm walking by. Don't worry. You're only, you're only going to feel awkward for like three seconds while I'm looking at you. But I do these deep lunges all the way to the back, which shows I don't care what people think. And the last, if you thought that was good, the last oh one, God. Dr. Karen, as I signed up to do be a nude model. Because no. not because I look not because I look good naked at all, but because I, it was the most awkward thing I could possibly think of doing. And I walked into that room terrified, and it was oh cold God. in the room, by the way, and that affects things mainly on the male side. <laughs> and it was cold. I was like, so I get in there, and they're like, oh, did you bring a robe? And I'm like, what? No, I didn't. What do you mean? Did I bring a robe? And they're like, oh, okay, it's all good. Then you just don't have a robe on during the breaks. I'm like, okay. And so I stood there, sat there on this chair in this weird, like, kind of weird pose where I was like leaning forward and like, like, like with my my elbows on my knees. Again, not a good look for a naked dude, right? And so I'm there naked for three hours in front of these people. Can't move for 20 minutes at a time. And then on the breaks, I don't have the robe, so I'm butt naked. And, and people are like, hey, so you ever done this before? And I'm like, oh, my God. And, but in that moment, I was like, I, I even found myself, like, turning to the side for some reason. And I was like, Taylor, you fucking face them. You, fit, you, oh you stand straight at them, put your hands on your hips, and have a conversation. And so I did. I stood there, like, butt naked, having all these different incredibly awkward yet brave. massively freeing talks. Anyways, bring it full circle, like I promised, is – if we, when we can start caring less about what people think, we can start caring more about how we feel. We can start honoring how we feel, and we all have the tool set. Bring your crystals with you. Bring your sage with you. Do your stretching. Do your meditating. Put your earplugs in. Put your sunglasses on. You know, create an environment, regardless of the actual outside environment, that makes you feel comfortable. And then we can go through the day. First of all, not giving an F what people think feels incredible. Add on top of that giving ourselves that self-healing and nurturing practice when we love ourselves and this gets into like something bigger like when we fully love ourselves and honor ourselves imagine when people interact with us how they feel because if they feel like wow that guy really honors himself he really you know really takes care of himself he could do that for me you know like Mm. he i feel safe in this person's presence because they know what they need and they give it to themselves people start feeling safe in your presence people start opening up to you more people start bonding with you more connecting with you more all that happens from honoring what is going to make you the most comfortable. Oh, I love it. I love it. Boy, and I, and I thought I felt weird uh, sitting on the ground doing yoga in the middle of the airport. And my husband's like, no, what, are you doing? Do like what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where are you going? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, a bar. I can put my leg up on a bar. And I'd do these ballet stretches. <laughs> you know, yeah. Walk by and they kind of smile. <laughs> Exactly. And they're, you know what they're thinking? Damn, she's smart. Uh, or good. damn, she's that flexible. 
<laughs> oh, yes, she's super flexible. And, and people can start small too, right, Dr. Karen? They can start like yeah. just wear some sunglasses in the drugstore from now on. Just wear yeah. some like discreet earplugs if that's what you want to do. Or when someone talks to you that's like a total energy vampire, just be like, you know what? I'm really kind of in my own zone right now. I'm just going to focus on uh, some meditation, but thanks for starting this conversation. I really appreciate it. And, you know, maybe we'll have it another time. You know, like every time that we can exercise our own boundaries, yeah. our bodies, our subconscious just gives us like the biggest round of applause and they're like, thank you. And that's what, you know, catalyzes in my mind, catalyzes health and, and all the good stuff. Yeah, that's great. Now, what do you, and maybe you're not around these people as much as before, but uh, like, what did you say to maybe friends or people you met who were, I don't know, emanating the old masculine persona, <laughs> you know, the rough, you're tough, so whatever. Like, what do you say to those people when you're with them? Oh, I mean, here, here's the thing is I very much have the old persona, the masculine in, in me. I, if someone wants to like compete and have an arm wrestle, I'll be the first person to arm wrestle them. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say that I like, the thing is like, that it's like this word conscious, right? Like people, this woman uh, messaged me on Instagram the other day and I, I had been talking about how I was on these two dating apps and she goes, you know, how is Bumble and Hinge? I said, they're great. I love them. They're so fun. And she's like, but are they good for finding conscious partners? And I just burst out laughing. And I was like, it's not up to Hinge and Bumble to find you a conscious partner. It's up to your, your intent and your clarity, for you to find a conscious partner, Hinge and Bumble are just like walking in a mall, right? You're not going to expect to see all quote-unquote conscious people in a mall. You know what I mean? Well, there so, must be conscious it, dating apps. I don't know. I'm not in there. There is. Totally but... co- here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are conscious dating apps, and people are freaking people, right? Like how many right. Christians have been like, oh, I can't believe this guy at the church screwed me over. He's a person just because of what he does on Sunday and what he prescribes to doesn't make him not a person. And it's the same thing. Like, sure, I'm like, let's say I'm a, I, would, I would identify as being a conscious male, I guess, maybe because I'm more conscious than I was yesterday. But sure, I'm, a, I'm a, the stereotypical, like, snag, sensitive, new age guy. And in reality, I still have every other bit inside of me. I have the, the, the dickhead who, when I play sports, I'm trash talking people and I'm trying to get in their heads so that they play worse and then I win. I still have the super competitive person in me, right? And we all have this. I think I'm totally getting ramped up here, Dr. Karen, but we all have every single bit inside us. I'm not just light and I'm not just dark right? I'm a fucking rainbow. I want to be every single bit and every single bit in between. I want to be the competitive guy at Monopoly who never loses. I want to be the person who can hold space for anyone and cry in front of my team. I want to be the person who can be the best partner in the world and work, and work through the ups and the downs of the relationship and get to the other side and grow and, and expand together. And I want to be the person who holds a crystal when he goes to sleep at night and so he can access like higher realms. We're all of those people. And I think it's in the denial of any of those parts that actually creates suffering and discord inside us when we can like fully embrace every bit of us and realize I'm a human being and I'm no different than the people that I'm no, I'm no different than Hitler. And when you can realize, yeah, you know, that, I often you use know, that. I, have, uh, I often use that analogy. Have, Thank you. You, you have the, the deep, the dark, the depth that every human on earth has had. You have that inside you hate to break it to you, but you do only when you, when you, acknowledge that can you say and by the way i also have the same stuff as jesus you know i also have the same stuff as buddha you know i have also all of that stuff like my favorite quote by osho says that you know for trees branches to reach heaven its roots have to reach hell 
Like the deeper that we can acknowledge that we have all of this dark, the further up we can expand and acknowledge that we have all of this light and then enjoy everything in between rather than being like, ooh, I was triggered. I'm not really conscious right now and therefore I'm unhappy. Be like, hey, this is part of the human experience. We signed up for this when we came down yep. here, right? That's and we right. And actually enjoy each step instead of denying them and, and hoping for one perpetual feeling. Oh, that's so helpful. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. That's awesome. I do. I was definitely triggered before a lot by uh, – you know, the, those people that would criticize me for being lazy or selfish, my, my mom would say that, and I was totally triggered yeah. by that. And, and then I realized that I fought against it so much that I burnt myself out, trying not to be yeah. lazy, trying not to be selfish. And exactly. it made me sick, literally. Yeah, so I was like, and yep. you know, And the most powerful thing is to go, I am selfish. Yeah. And I'm giving. <laughs> and sometimes I'm a brat, and I want people to, like, say sorry when they don't shouldn't even have to say sorry i'm you know what i mean like you yep. are selfish dr karen and you're incredibly giving and contributing and philanthropic and altruistic and empathetic you're all of those things and it's you know it's an acknowledging that like, yes yeah, sometimes i slip into selfish mode and that's because i'm a human being mm-hmm. i think that's where the freedom is mm-hmm. absolutely and that, uh, you know, the separation of that's a bad person or an evil person and this is a good person and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, one of the, my things I share with my students is we don't, you know, um, as far as the dark is concerned, we don't bind the dark. We don't punish the dark or anything like that. We love them into the light. So we have to love those dark parts of ourselves as well. Exactly. In order to be able to do that. that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so what would you want young boys and men to, to, like, to know based on your experience? If you had, you know, one, two, maybe three, like, top tips, what, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would, I would reiterate that, you know, what we just talked about is, like, you're everything. You know what? I hate to, you know, to be really honest, if you grew up in Rwanda and you were born, let's say, in 1978, and therefore, you were, what am I thinking, or maybe, anyways, if you were around, let's say, the age of 23 in Rwanda in 1994, I had the bad math, I think it was like 71, you'd have to be born, and if you were around that age, if you were a young man in that time, you, and you grew up in the exact same situation as uh, the Hutu tribe grew up in, or a lot of people that committed the Rwandan genocide, that you would have done it right alongside with them. If you grew up in the same circumstances that a lot of people that have, that have, that have um, committed the most horrific crimes on earth, if you grew up exactly like they did, you would have done exactly what they did because you would have been them. And that is really hard for us to admit sometimes because we yeah. want to be like, you know, the light warriors, the light workers and all that kind of stuff. And when we can fully admit that we have all of that dark inside us, then you can fully admit that you've got all the light inside you at the same time. So what, that's just like a, a random, potentially ex, massively extreme example of just embracing every part of you, not denying any part of you, not feeling bad or shameful for, for things that you're drawn to, like fully accepting all of you. That is the beginning of, in all of these wonderful books, that's the beginning of real healing is like full self-acceptance. And it's just, it's incredible the results that in my mind that, that you'll see in your life in the the form of other people, in your business, in everything. When you fully accept every part of yourself, 
that in essence is freedom, then it actually doesn't matter what you're doing in business. It doesn't matter what your relationships are like. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters because you're truly free. And because it doesn't, none of it matters and you're truly free, all of the other stuff is good. You know what I mean? It's like that, that paradox. Oh, that is beautiful. Now I heard from you that you're writing a book on empathy. Is that true? Uh, you know what? I just, I did a really deep dive. Let's say just a real deep dive recently. And some things came to light that the reasoning behind a lot of my goals in my life were to prove that I was a good person. And I didn't know Oh, I know that one. Yeah. I genuinely was unconscious of it. I knew it to a point, but what came to light earlier was some really interesting childhood trauma that I had gone through and that was really forming my life. I'm 37 years old, and I just realized that it, a specific incident when I was six years old was dictating what I came up with for goals. I thought I was setting these goals because I was ambitious. I thought I was setting these goals because I wanted to help humanity and blah, 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 and I wanted to save people. And in reality, it was coming from a place I wanted to prove that I don't ruin things. I wanted to prove that, mm-hmm. that, that I'm a good boy, you know? Yeah. And so my thoughts on writing a book my thoughts on even speaking anymore, like actively pursuing speaking engagements has really shifted. And so I'm in, a, I'm in a moment in time right now of feeling into where does every intent that I have come from? And is it coming from a place of wanting to prove myself to my dad? Is it coming right. from a place of wanting to prove that I'm a good person and that I don't screw things up? Or is it coming from a natural, genuine download flow from the universe of like, here's what you're meant to do on this earth and this is what lights you up. This is what you have the most fun doing. And I'm consciously choosing to only endeavor into things that are coming from as clean, pure a place as possible. Of course, they're not, you know, I'm a human being, so it's always going to come through the filter of my experience, but uh, I'm endeavoring to go a level deeper and release the need to prove myself and that writing that book, even though it was going to be on empathy, what a big layer of reason of why I was going to write it was to prove myself. And uh, I don't feel the need to do that at this moment. And, uh, and so the book, the book is on quote unquote on pause. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Well, that makes so much sense. And that's a fantastic example for all of us really, because there are always those parts where we just think we're doing it for a good reason but the good reason mm-hmm. is laced with, uh, you know, like you said, trying to prove myself. Try, and, and sometimes doing the opposite is trying to be rebellious. You know, you said I'm not, exactly. you can't, I can't do that. Dang it, I'm going to do it just to prove you mm-hmm. wrong. You know, mm-hmm. all those kinds of energies. Wow, congratulations for getting to that degree of consciousness around that. Woo, deep. Yeah, feels feels a lot lighter. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so what's, you know, uh so right now it feels like a big open space for you as far as your, your future or your near future, like so many different possibilities. Sometimes we get attached to, I don't know about you, you are not sounding that way, but sometimes I or you know, we get attached to where we're headed because we're so invested. You know, we have so much money invested in this and so many people invested in this. And, and then we get to that place where like, Hmm, maybe this isn't where I want to go. Boy, that could be super scary. Yeah, it's it's a lot of open space, and uh, I'm down with the open space. I think the need to fill open space is is annoying. You know, it's uh, a <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's an addiction. The, the the addiction to being busy is one that I've decided to drop. 
Um, so I'm just listening. You know, I'm really listening to what my what I'm drawn to at the moment. I'm 37. Something clicked when I was 35, and I decided that I wanted to start a family. Or I shouldn't say I decided. I just clicked. I wanted to start moving towards starting a family. I don't even have a, I don't have a girlfriend, but um, so that's probably step number one. Um, but <laughs> I, I find myself when I see a family with young kids, I find myself drawn to it more than I've ever had in my life. I'm like, oh, I want that. That my body is wanting that. So wow, I'm going to follow that, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised when we do our next show together that I'm probably complaining about how little sleep I've got because I have a child. <laughs> 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 That seems to be the thing with people that are parents. They want to, like, brag to you about how little sleep they got. Oh, last night I got up four times. I'm like, wait, <laughs> am I giving you a cookie, a medal? You chose to have a child. You're a human being that is reliant on you to live. Obviously, you got up at those times. <laughs> right, right. No, I asked my resident one time. I said, what's easier, doing on call, you know, or or – you know, not sleeping because of the kid, and and he said actually on call. I said you got to be kidding, really? He's like, yep. I was like, wow, <laughs> that was intense. You know, he said it was harder to to be a dad and wake up that often rather than being on call. I don't know why, but uh, that made me think that really must be challenging for people. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Karen. I'm so happy that you had me on and we got to dive into this stuff. You are an absolute inspiration. And it meant so much to me when we first talked that, that people like you exist um, because you're giving a lot of freedom to a lot of people to acknowledge what they are like. And I hope, I mean, I really hope that our talk today has done that for people too, is like anyone Absolutely. listening, you're, you're not alone. You are a part of a growing group of humans on the earth that are here to shift things. And the reason that you're not equipped with this like hardcore attitude is because that comes from the same energy that created everything that's in place right now. We are here to shift things in a soft, gentle, ascendant way because that's, we don't want to create the same thing over again. Right. Mm, I think that's what, that's what we're here for. And I think we all embrace our softness and our sensitivity together, which means, which means starts with embracing our full selves. And then we create the kind of world that, that we're here to create. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show, Taylor. It's been wonderful and inspiring and tearful and everything in between. Uh, For those listening in, I want to thank you also for being present, uh, for uh, listening to the show, for learning more about your sensitivity and how to harness that as a superpower. And to know more about Taylor, you can go to theideacollective.org and his organization that helps speakers uh, and and teachers, trainers, mentors get their message out there to to change the world and make the world a better place. So again, that's theideacollective.org. So thank you, Taylor, and thanks, everyone. Until next time, bye for now. Thanks, Dr. Karen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.